causing us to enter seasons of change and transitions, God-ordained change. I believe that God is stirring up the waters of our life for a predetermined and decided outcome. He's taking his people out of their comfort zones and out of their pre-expected plans and away from average Christianity. Anybody felt any stirrings? Huh? See, God loves to get his disciples out of the boat. God stirs us up so he can stir up something new in you. It's not so much about the circumstance changes as it is about the interchange. He has a purpose that he wants us to trust in him and not our own preferences. He loves to cause change. Prepare for change. Enlarge the stakes of your tent, the prophet Isaiah said. Lift your focus to heaven and be ready to move when God says move. You see, when the winds of change blow into you as a believer's life, it's always for a greater purpose and a divine plan. Don't look back or long for yesterday. Determine today to move from the mundane to the glorious. He's calling us to cross the various Jordan rivers that happen in our lives to inherit the promises that he's promised us on the other side when he called us out. And so we want to have courage, regardless of the cost, to not stay on the safe side of the river, but to go to the promised side of the river. So in the comfort of that God never changes, don't be taken back by change. Change. God is into change. Amazing when the angel of the Lord arrived on the scene to Mary. She was planning a wedding. Think about it. In God, <clears throat> I 
<clears throat> brought a change. Often changes resisted. Change should not be careless, but we should be open to change. So, Father, this morning we thank you for the Holy Spirit's work of change. The Holy Spirit's arrangements as he prepares us for our future. Whether we're at the beginning of the journey or if we're a long ways down the road in the journey. Help us to be open to your change. Help us to recognize the hand that is creating the change. Let the old song that we used to sing of I surrender all, let it really be a truth of our hearts and lives to accept change. Jesus' name. We go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. We are not stationary people. No, we are people on the move, people with a purpose, people with a God design. I want to begin the story and the, not the story, the uh, series of Foot Soldiers for Jesus Christ with the title, In the World, But Not of the World. How many have read that? Okay, thank you for those that have opened your Bible and have actually read it. With the idea that missionaries in the world, God has placed you in. So we have some great scriptures that are powerful in and of themselves, and we shall draw from them. And so if we can this morning, there's a number of them. They'll be familiar with you, to you. Okay. The first one is found in Matthew. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Oh, ouch. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. How many are seeing your purpose in life? Mm-hmm. Seeing your identity. 
your role. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and give light to all who are in the house. Okay, now notice. He starts out and saying, you are the light of the world, but then all of a sudden he begins to frame it within the vicinity and the realm of your life. Let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Notice that he doesn't say that you get to be glorified. The Father gets to be glorified. I do not pray. Now, Jesus is doing this and and is, you know, ready for his departure. And he says, I do not pray for them that you should take them out of the world. But that you should keep them from the evil one. How many know that God wants you here? He wants you where you're at. They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. No, you chew on that one for a while. The comparativeness that he gives. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. First John chapter 2. Do not love the world. <laughs> that is the world that he's sending you into. Well, the things of the world, for anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So then you got to take your pick. You can't be both. For all that is in the world is lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away. The lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. For you were once darkness, but now you are light. In the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. <coughs> I didn't write this. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. 
Nej. You have a place and you have a reason. You have a purpose. And you have a light. What makes the world the world? This issue has spawned confusion, legalism, division, and even weirdness. From isolation to where there's no difference at all. So what is it? What makes the world the world? You can't love the world, but yet you're in the world. First of all, if I can help with this, because I've grown up in the church, heard the word, tried to navigate it through, and I'm grateful for that journey. But number one, it's a force. It's a spirit. It's an atmosphere that is in opposition to all that is godly. All that is Christian. It is not necessarily the denial of God. It is to ignore God. To place God in a lesser place and realm. To view him. Obviously it can be. To deny him. Worldliness rejects the claim of God in favor for its own values and desires. What is worldliness? It rejects the way of life that leads us to God, truth, and righteousness. I want you to go into the world, but I don't want you to be influenced by the world. I'm taking you out of the world, enlightening you, and then I'm sending you back. I'm taking you out of darkness, making you light, and then I'm sending you back into the darkness. Woo! Hallelujah. The world, an environment created by individuals who live contrary to God's teachings. That's the world you're sent into. The world is more than outlawing behaviors. It's active devotion that shapes all that we are and do. It is a, an influence that begins to be a rival for our heart. It competes for our allegiance. Why is that so important? Because 
whatever our, we're loyal to shapes us. Shapes what we do. Shapes how we think. What makes the world worldly? It's flesh versus the spirit. Meaning it elevates the urgings of the flesh over the teachings of the Holy Spirit. That's the world. It is time over to eternity. What is the world? It's time over eternity. It is when we're fixated on the now instead of seeing life as endless. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you're going to die. You want to get the most out of life today. No, you want to put the most into life today. I hope this helps. It's the outward over the inward. It glamorizes the body. It leans toward the playground and the thrills of life. The prodigal left the loveliness of the father's house for the playground of the world. What makes the world worldly is in itself above God and others. It's the present over that which is to come. Little phrases, but I hope they get the message. Deimos has forsaken me, having loved the present. So that is not only the world that God says that I don't want to influence you. He says, that's the world I'm sending you into. Sending you into that world. Missionaries in the world. And he makes a statement. He says, I want you to live in the world as the light of the world even while you're residing in the darkness. The Pharisees of Jesus' day thought that the only way to be holy was to avoid contact with the sinner. But the question then arises, how can we interact with lost people without being influenced by their unbelief and hostility toward God. How can we? 
Jesus taught the lesson. And he says, it's not the point of your location, but the source of your information and influence. I'm putting you in a location, but you're going to be influenced. And the source of your information is not going to come from the darkness, but from the light. Yes. Hallelujah. How did Jesus stay, minister, sit, and be with those he came to save and yet not be influenced by him to the point where they begin to influence, you know, how he thought and how he lived. I believe that, number one, Jesus knew his mission. He knew his mission. You are the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. So he knew his mission. But he not only knew his mission, he was keenly aware of the opposition. He was not surprised by the opposition. He could stay focused. How can you befriend sinners without being corrupted by them? By staying focused. By staying and sticking to your mission. Why am I here? Why am I sitting? Why am I associating? It was the Apostle Paul that wrote to his beloved son Timothy in the book of Timothy, and he says that pleasure is going to be a competing force. It is what it is. He said there's going to be attitudes that's going to reign, they're going to have a form of godliness. There's going to be a whole lot of self-centeredness and unnatural perversions. And then he said there's also going to oppose leadership. Now, of all of those seem to have been stages, and there were stages, you know, the, the way that Paul wrote it out to Timothy, too. The last stage that he puts it in, and I'm not saying that that's the last stage, but he said it's the opposing of leadership. What do we see across this land today? The opposing of leadership. 
under many different disguises and not many different you know, reasons for what we're doing. But the bottom line is it's opposing of authority and, and leadership. That's the world. That's the environment. Yes. How? Not of the world. Not of the world. But in the world. Jesus said you are not of the world. Think about your, your, your origin, first of all. So you understand that you're not of the world. Your new birth sets you apart. You've been born from above. Woo. Think about it. Do you celebrate your new birth? Do you celebrate your new origin? Jesus said and told his disciples, you should have a party. You should have a party. God wants to see us. I'm born again. I have a brand new origin. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. What's he saying? He said there was a new origin, a new birth that took place in your life, and you need to celebrate. Because you are not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. How many know that's a really a great span? Somebody give the Lord a praise here. Woo! Think about it. Yeah. He puts you in his class. He puts you in his domain. We have been raised together and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But now just as Jesus, as he was and what he was, you know what I mean? In the heavenlies, he gave up that role to go down and be among those that needed him. We at times, and in this way too, have to give up sometimes our role. Not who we are, not what we are, you know what I mean? But to be among the stuff. We have a new birth, we've got a new nature, we've got a new master, we've got a new power, we've got a new purpose, and we've got a new destiny. He says you're not bound by the principles, nor are you ruled by those 
by the sin. He's trying to make us like a boat in the water, surrounded by water, but no water is getting inside. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. (coughs) You're not part of that value system. No, you live in accordance with something else. You live in accordance with God's word. John 17, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them. The world is not called to be your friend. You are called to be the world's friend. They hate you, but you still have to, in turn, love them. That's going to take a whole lot of God. Amen. Now he knows that's going to be challenging because he said, I'm praying for him. I'm praying for him. They could be kept. To actively engage our culture without allowing the culture's ungodly moral values and attitudes and behaviors to infiltrate our lives. Now, everybody hasn't been successful in those waters. But that's the prayer of Jesus that we will sail those waters successfully. Paul wrote to the Romans, and he recognized something, and and then he used a phrase that I think is appropriate, and maybe it fits. He talks about how things are, And he says, because we know this, we need to awake. Imagine that Christians can fall asleep, become insensitive, become immune. He says, because our salvation is so near, there needs to be an alarm set and go off. He says, we need to cast off the works of darkness. Oh, my goodness. Believers. 
have taken on water. Their boat has got some holes in it that need to be plugged. And let us put on the armor of light. And he says, let us walk properly as in the day or as though you're on display. Hallelujah. As believers, we must remember that we're light. Light for who? Light for Jesus. Light for truth. While darkness is their nature, light is your nature. Maybe it's been sleeping. It needs to awake. Maybe the Jesus nature has kind of lulled itself. Needs to awake. Let your light so shine before men. Not so they like you but so they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. They can recognize your origin. There's a family identity. There's an association. That's different. Would you help me connect that difference? Jesus. He says in our approach, in our walk, in our work, he says we must remember that we were once darkness. So, you know, maybe don't get so hard on them as much as Letting the glow of the light attract. Amen? Yeah. Remember, you were darkness. You used to do that. That was the same thing that you did. But now are you light soul? Walk as children of light. And in that process, discover how you can be a better light. How can you be a better light? And then we go to the words of the bridegroom to the bride from Matthew chapter 5, which I've already alluded to in Past messages, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
can we be more effective? Because it says, yeah, the salt of the earth, if the salt has lost its strength, how then will it be a benefit? Let me give you some suggestions this morning. Don't take your boat out of the water. Take steps so the water doesn't come into your boat. You're way too quiet. I must be hitting some nerves this morning. We are not to be a holy huddle. Put your boat in the water. Recognize, you know what I mean? That that is where your boat belongs. If you find it taken on water, Take steps. See, if you remove yourself from the midst of the world, you also remove the influence of Christ in that world. You can't influence and not be there. Don't hide your candle in fear of judgment, rejection. Don't be afraid of your own light. Because when you hide the light, you hide the power. Your light is power. God has made, according to 2 Corinthians, God has, just like he said, when there, let there be light in the darkness. When he did that, Paul associates these two things together. He says, you know, and has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You've had some major encounters and the major revelation Number one, you gotta have to put your boat in the water. Number two, don't take water on. You need more than a social gospel. You don't want to leave a credibility gap. Hallelujah. 
You don't want to be able to tell them about Jesus and they're not able to see Jesus. That leaves a credibility gap. He saved me from my sins. And yet I'm still practicing sin. That's a credibility gap. I'm not saying he hasn't saved you from your sins. I'm saying there's a credibility gap. And that is then salt that's lost its effectiveness. Don't me say that's good preaching. Yes. <laughs> Listen, God is moving us. See, your change may not be a location. It be, be, may be more of a fresh new mindset on who you are, what you do. You know what I mean? Some people have a whole lot more of world activity in their life. And by that, I mean, they're not partaking of the world, but they're more surrounded by the world all the time. Other occupations, they don't have a, I don't, I don't have a lot of worldliness around me. I don't. But I do go out there, you know what I mean? And I have, I have major moments. I mean, you know, I've had, I've had times for marriage, marriage, you know what I mean? Don't talk to me about that God's submissive stuff. Well, that's right in the middle of it, let me tell you. <laughs> Why are you asking me? I'm a preacher of the gospel. <laughs> that's what I do, you know? Do I, do I say, no, I won't do it? Mm -mm. No. Nope. I start to build bridges. <laughs> I start to lay groundwork. I start to care about what they're doing and what they want. You know what I mean? What they're asking for me to do. If I got a 100-watt light bulb, I only turn it on 30. I don't want to blind them. I want to enlighten them. Ask my musicians to come because I know it's getting late. But this is just a, just a start. Living right exposes darkness. When we read that scripture, don't talk about them, but expose them. It's to live right. You don't compromise God just to be relevant.
be prepared to be ridiculed. I don't like your viewpoint. I don't understand your viewpoint. I literally hate (laughs) your viewpoint. In the world, but not of the world. And so when the Apostle Paul says, awake you who are sleeping, send there's some comfort zones maybe that you've gotten into. That need, you know, an alarm system. And he even goes further and he says, and arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. He's not talking to the world, he's talking to the church. He wrote to the church in Sardis. He says, you're sleeping. He says, you can talk about your yesterdays, but there's no real activity today. You have a name that you're alive. Oh my, you should have had John as your preacher. He said, you're dead. Then he goes on to say, not everyone was sleeping in that church, but there were some that were sleeping. Like Samson, sleeping will find a way to rob you of your power. Samson was asleep in Delilah's lap. And in that time of sleeping, he was robbed of his power. And it was only when he prayed again that the power returned into his life. What did he do? He recognized his sleeping. He recognized his sleeping. Stand with me. What is a sleeping Christian? It is someone who is walking and talking, but has no real aim in their life. No real aim in their life. 
I know why I'm here. I know what I am. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer restored it. Prayer restored it. How do I know if I'm sleeping? In sleep, there's a lack of feelings and awareness. Lack of feeling and awareness. That's sleeping. Hello. <laughs> Foot soldiers for Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to, when it was the Galatians, he said, you know, some of you got some tough bosses. They're downright rude and mean. He says, don't let them get to you. Don't let them get to you. Everybody say it. Don't let them get to you. Don't let them get to you. to make you you know be like them you go ahead and make them be like you yeah your environment may not be perfect but your boat has the capacity and the ability to float to sail be effective and not take on water in your mission field it does Father thank you today as we sing this song and close Lord Jesus out this service but the beginning foot soldiers for Jesus Christ because it's late. It's late. It's late. It's late. Hallelujah. I told you this story, but it was my father. And my father had been witness to people trying to get him saved. And he heard him. But he said, uh, their message and their life didn't add up. There was a credibility gap. And so finally, when he did meet someone that shared the gospel with him and he watched his life, and his life 
matched his words. He was ready to say yes to the Lord. And so when he went to the to receive the Lord and give his life to the Lord, he made a specific mention. He said, Father, I don't want what they got. <laughs> Those ones that had the t- that had the talk without the walk. Seriously, I don't want what they want. But now the other guy, that's what I want. That's what I want. Hallelujah. And Jesus is getting us ready so that the world that we're in is going to want what we got. Not all of them. Some of them are going to hate you. Some of them are going to reject you. Some of them think you're crazy. You got to be prepared for it. Don't let it ruffle your feathers. Know that you're light and let it shine for Jesus. Let me read this passage of scripture. It's a blessing to you. Very familiar, but the Lord spoke to my heart, you know, very clearly. To everyone this morning, whether present or not here this morning for this church, the families, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Hallelujah. And God said, I'm going to go ahead and follow up on that pronouncement. Go with God because he's going with you this morning. God bless you. Jesus name. Amen.